Very good. Well played. I just got trolled, didn't I? <laughs> oh, shit, we're live. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast from on the Cosmos from independent validator teams from a quite tired group of independent validators this week. And what are we talking about this week, fellas? So this week we're talking about the uh, Juno network halt, uh, sort of what went wrong, um, what the cause was for the halt, where we're at now, uh, the current testing that's ongoing, and uh, how we're going to get it restarted, I think, if we have a solution for that yet, which I think we have a couple of ideas. So, uh, Usurpo, we had some other things we're going to talk about if we had time too. What were they? I think we had some questions that came in a couple of weeks ago. So I think we had... um some interest in kind of understanding how some of us as independent validators got into this business and a little bit around backgrounds and what it takes to be a core validator for, you know, for some of the cosmos. Um, and also I think there's some questions just around, around, are you, you know, are you full-time doing this? Is this kind of a side thing and how do you make a living out of it? And those types of things. Um, as well as I, then I think we had a, a third topic that was getting into it was a little bit more around um, is it lucrative or not? And, and how lucrative is it? Um, you know, any, what's the necessary investments is kind of a go along it in those types of areas. So maybe if we have some time, we can get into some of those. Cool. Yeah, that would be cool. So I guess, uh, to start off with the tired, the prey is probably going to be the best person to give us a lead in introduction to the halt. So I think you're ask, starting... what's the dumbest thing we've seen in crypto this week? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Let's, do the, let's do the question. I think, well, I think Okay, go the fray. What's the dumbest thing you've seen in crypto this week? Well, the dumbest thing I've seen in crypto this week was me deciding to take a day off on Tuesday, which actually was only yesterday, wasn't it? That was all yesterday. It's been the longest thirty-six hours. I, uh, I, I've, yeah, I've, I think I've, I think I've travelled thirteen hundred kilometers today uh, while while tethered to a phone. Burn through two point five gig of mobile data or something like that. So you have been buzzing across the country in a well across the continent in a train going three hundred kilometers an hour whilst troubleshooting and uh, you know just yeah. generally trying to get stuff done. Yeah, a friend of mine said, um, "Don't be pissed off because of the cyberpunk future you got wasn't the one you wanted." When I told him <laughs> what was happening, he was like. When are you supposed to be traveling today? And I was like, "Yeah, I'm on a high speed train, literally right now." And he was like, "You can't be, you can't be sore because the cyberpunk future you got wasn't the right. one you wanted, man. This is exactly <laughs> what you signed up for, you prick." Um, so yeah, we, I think we basically signed up to never sleep again. So I'm beginning to feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For every chain you add, you lose another hour and a half of your day. I'm kind of surprised we're all not grey yet. Right. We're all like surprisingly ungrey and surprisingly handsome. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at Schultzy actually. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I think Schultzy's like had a haircut or something. But, you know, a different angle does a lot to me. Yeah, it's a different angle this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm in definitely. Puerto Rico right now, so straight on this time. I couldn't, I could do it to the side, I suppose. There you go. 
<laughs> so you're outside your studio. I'm outside my studio. Usurpers is still on point. On. And the phrase back in his hovel. Yep. Back in the hovel. Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> dumbest, dumbest thing in crypto this week has to be, joking aside, that we got hit by the exploit that we were patching six hours before we patched it. That is devastating. Like the second that I saw my pager, I I was literally like, oh, like not it, this. It had better not be that. If I mean, obviously, it's good to know what it is, but I was like, if it's that ABCI thing, I'm going to be pissed. Gonna and be really, pissed. we you just randomly chose an upgrade block, right? It could have been. I mean, you're you're giving yourself four days because we we've you don't want to make it too close, right? We made you know, it four we days. We're going to do it on, on like Monday. Right, right on Monday, like first yeah. thing Monday morning. And it was Perfect. like, oh, no, we, we just, you, you know, validators, I we, we're Mondays. jumping this upgrade on them short, relatively short notice. Let's just give everybody an extra day. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you gave us three extra days. It was nice. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Terrible. Okay, so it has to do with the exploit that was being patched next time, not the exploit that was patched previously, correct? So No, so so the Lupercalia upgrade patched the exploit we got hit with. So six hours later, and we'd have been home and dry. Mm-hmm. So the, the WASMD, um, whatever it is, CWA002-2022, which got released this morning, which is bad. It's a zero day in Cosmosm. Um, we've already got a patch in for that today <laughs> in amongst all the other stuff. Um, and that's, that's a separate thing. So we didn't get hit by that. Um, we got hit by something we already knew about, um, something that we had a patch already 29 or 30 days ago. Um, but this thing you might've heard of, uh, prop 16 happened. Um, and it meant that our testing and our original release date for that, which was mid-March, uh, got pushed back because we all had to focus on uh, dealing with the fire that was in front of us. And uh, we couldn't, it just didn't seem like we could get a the validator set or, or anybody to focus on getting that, like the final bit of testing signed off and get it out the door. Now, in hindsight, it's really obvious to say, um, you know, that was a mistake. We should have just prioritized the security release. And and that is one. I mean, we're going to do a full root cause from all of this. Um, we've already started pulling together some notes on like things that we already know. Just you know, we're, we're being we're going to have to be quite harsh on ourselves. I think about this, um, and I think one of the big things that will come out of it is that, in particular, the core devs were very blindsided by Prop Sixteen, and the. And I think we, I don't want to go over it too much. I know we, we talked about it on our episode on Prop 16. You know, if you don't know whether you legally have to leave a network, like walk away from it potentially, which, you know, and we've all, a lot of us have, have you know, had to go and get legal advice, even if that legal advice ended up being this is completely uncharted waters. It's up to you. Take your, take your risk profile as you see it, you know. In that context, your your biggest priority as a dev, sadly, is actually not looking at the security upgrade you need to get out. It's like, you know, am I still working on this project? Like, what is actually going on here with this level of uncertainty? So 
there's a big kind of continuity question, I think, that we were sort of blindsided by with Prop 16 because it's such an unusual thing to happen. Like the, the, the fact we got hit with a constitutional crisis effectively and then a cyber attack. I mean, I, I don't think there's many other systems than than a, 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 a proof of state blockchain where where that combination of things is even possible. You know. Um, so so it was a cyber attack. So did they get anything out of it? Did they get anything out of the fact that we have lost some sleep, effectively? Like there was I, I, no funds that were stolen. There was no, no funds stolen. Uh, just a point was made itself. by presumably some developer because only someone that's accustomed to Cosmologen would be able to achieve what was achieved. Is that right? All, all that happened, uh, the fray right, is that um, basically all of the nodes got confused on that block and just halted because they didn't know what to do. So, yeah, every single node effectively forked. So we right. we created 125 forks of the chain, um, which is kind of cool in a in a twisted way. Um, and then everybody had completely indeterminate app state. Um, that was done by calling a low level ABCI query uh, in Tendermint. Now, you obviously have to kind of you have to know it's there. But if you knew it was there, it's not that hard to exploit it. So it's not quite like baby's first exploit, but it is like it's like Fisher Price, my first exploit, or my first Cosmism exploit, or something like that. Like it is, it is um, and it just happens. So it happens that in this case, it was actually quite a devastating exploit. Um, I shouldn't be laughing about it so so soon, but honestly, I've had very little sleep, but I I got to see the funny side, you know. But um, yeah, so. What what happened with this exploit is it was found um, pretty early doors uh, in Terra, I think, mm -hmm. and they rushed out an emergency um, right. upgrade for it. Um, for all the other chains affected, there was a tracking issue put up, which had like no real specifics, but just said, "Oh, you know, there's some unit tests that need adding," um, and the and Confio sort of just got it expedited and got it in. And the second they did, we then obviously put it into Juno's code base and we had it ready to go. Um, so you you kind of had to be paying attention a little bit to know that this was a vulnerability or you had to be poking around. However, like the, well, the, th the, the thing is, right, you can't speculate too much because obviously an attacker is going to want to outfox you using social stuff more than code and stuff, right? Because it's much, much easier to be like, to call the contract Schultz's killer contract and then make it look really slick and competent. So you're like, this is definitely the work of Schultz. It's really nicely written. And then like take down the chain. Everyone's like, well, this contract's obviously written by Schultz because it's really slick and, you know, there's lots of code comments and it's really well written. Uh, it just kind of, it's quite a handsome contract. So, we, you know, we, we, nobody's going to like be like, oh, Null, Null wrote this contract because we all know that Null just passed as usurper's code, right? So uh, you, you kind of, you, you're like, there's no way Null attacked the chain. It was definitely Schultze. But, but actually, it was Null that, that attacked the chain. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. Like, so when you kind of look at like, you know, what can we infer from the attacker? What can we infer from the contract? Um, it's cool that we bottomed it out and we know that it was an ABCI query. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, shout out to oh, my brain's not broken is my brain's broken. Asafmo, uh, is his Twitter handle, um, for working that out. 
Uh, he put in a lot of hours to basically write a bunch of stuff in order that he could uh, t- sort of test those transactions to just ensure that that was actually our, our kind of <clears throat> working theory was in fact correct. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Asaf, and, Asaf figured it out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, funny, funny thing is, I'm repping Secret Network right now, so uh, that, that works. Secret Network, out. yeah, right to the to the fucking rescue. Um, so that was rad. <laughs> Um, and then big shout out as well to like the SecDAO guys and everything who uh, SecDAO folks, I should say, who, who you know kind of came in and helped out with um, sort of like decompilation and getting to the bottom of stuff. There were quite a lot of people working just on the fine forensic side rather than the recovery side, which was quite um, uh, which was which was really cool as well. Like that was a really interesting chat to be in. I think in general, like. I think we've probably all learned a lot in the last. Anybody who's not sort of you know basically jack or andrew or stuff is has learned a lot in the last 24 hours <laughs> um just because like it's it, there's just had to be like i mean just in terms of like not only are like kind of thinking of like oh are we certain this is the the attack vector what are all the other things we can try what are all the things we, the other things we can look at that's like one side of it and then the other side of it is like um what are all the different things we can try uh, to to kickstart the chain, right? Because it's it's in, it's it's 125 forks at the moment, so all right. options are on the table. Um, but we obviously want to avoid a hard fork because of the IBC connections, right? Right. Um, so it's been really really interesting to see how those ideas have developed, but also like we've we've had to kind of yeah, it's been assembling the the plane on the way down. But you know, we've got a few expert engineers um, in the fuselage, if you like. So the which um, I'm not one, I should clarify, but there are <laughs> there are adults in the room who are who are telling people like me what they can and can't touch as the plane is falling off the cliff. Well, yeah, I guess uh, just read along and uh, chip in with the things you can, right? Right. Yeah. So um, basically, the methodology that they tested was the one where they replaced all of the validators so they were just using the existing state right and they just replaced all of the validators with new keys and then just started it back up um, to see if starting with all of the same data state um, yeah so yeah so like uh, one block before right well one block before the problem block and then yeah like removing the gov prop mm-hmm Remove basically removing any of the things that would impede the chain from moving past where it was without um, any problem. So, like removing the smart contract uh, state, so, removing I think removing the smart contract itself, plus a bunch of other bits and pieces, and then running I, it I through the strange love testing rig. I saw in the um, in the handler that it there was it needed to remove the um, the gov prop, but, but why was that exactly? The gov prop. Uh, I think mainly. Uh, hang on, let me think. Uh, oh, because we don't want to hit the. We don't want to chain halt at the yeah. upgrade yeah. height because we're not going to start. We're not going to have that binary. Right. Um, although, uh, I mean, okay, so, so we're not. We're skipping that binary and basically we're going to a new binary now. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, we just want to like hit that upgrade height and then like downgrade to another, the older binary that we'd. Yes. 
yeah. already tagged. So, so we were, we were. So this is a little bit of jargon for those watching the stream who maybe aren't. Uh, so we 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 use a thing called semantic versioning to tag uh, versions of uh, the software. Lupercalia is the code name for a binary, uh, a piece of runnable code, which is two point three point zero. Um, we're using this opportunity not only to get out um, something that is a little bit further along, actually be kind of 2.3.2 or something it would be technically, um, but also roll in some additional, um, this new uh, Cosmosm security fix that came out today. Um, and it's going to be sort of like version 3.0.0. So uh, we've moved a, a major version forward. I think primarily as well to indicate that we're actually going to, you know, move past this problem block in an unusual way, which is by incrementing the block, um, which, so I actually haven't been in the ecosystem long enough to, to have seen this firsthand, but I gather is the way that some of the early migrations were done in Cosmos. Um, and I think that's why Jack and co were sort of familiar with the, well, obviously very intimately familiar with this as a solution path. Um, so Jack, Demi, um, and Ethan Fry um, of Cosmosm fame, with whom some people occasionally confuse my handle, although he is the original Fry in the um, Cosmos ecosystem and the first time my handles ever conflicted with anybody's name. Um, but those three were sort of quite bullish on the uh, the incrementing one block and then moving forward approach. And, and it's for historical reasons. It's, worked. It's, it's a way they used to do upgrades in the past, so it was known to work. Um, so we do, just have a do, much more complicated state now. What with IBC and smart contracts and yada yada yada. So what that I, means uh, is we're going to have like, um, in theory, we're going to export the state. Um, does that going to necessitate a new genesis then, or same genesis, one block forward, and then upgrade handle is going to run? We're going to have the new patch, and then we'll continue on from there. Is that essentially what's going to happen? Yeah, I think that's right. That sounds familiar. That's that. That sounds correct. Um, any mistakes are purely my own tiredness. That's the caveat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure I understand yeah. somewhat. Any, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so we're using we're using the I guess we're using the export. Yes, yeah, essentially as the genesis, aren't we? Because we're 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 just going to move it forward one block as if we're as if we're continuing, but we keep all the we keep the chain uh, integrity of the chain name and the, all the state and everything. But the transactions in the in the halted block would disappear, right? Yeah, I guess we're, so. We're, we're just we're skipping the block that's in the pre. That we yeah, halted. we keep we keep the ones from the last confirmed block. But anything right. that's in flight, I guess, will get rejected. And I would assume there'd be some IBC in there as well that might be sitting that might have to just be re-attempted. Would, would it not time out? I don't know. So I'm not an IBC expert, so that I couldn't comment on. But I would be very surprised if it didn't time out because of well hang on there we, we, we might be figure it out given enough time because we kind right. of know we yeah. can sort of puzzle out how this works um but presumably so, so it's, a, it's, a light, it's a light client on each network right so if the if the light client on the receiving network hasn't hasn't right. actually confirmed the transaction right it That's will right. at some point yeah. fail it so right. the problem at the moment presumably is that it's just dialing right so, yeah, or, so or the con the confirmation never comes back right so it just fails is that right right so, so I mean, you're, you're kind of the relayer expert here i i think right the resident relayer yeah, expert yeah, yeah yeah so in theory that's basically what's going to happen is any any ibc 
you know, transactions that were kind of in the process of, of happening, whether it be inbound or outbound, they are they might actually still go through just because like once you go past the block state, it'll then pass forward because as far as it's concerned, time hasn't changed. Um, or it'll just time out. I don't expect anything that had happened or potentially happened during that block would cause issues. All funds should be um, continue being safe. Cool. So I guess you might have to. That's, that's, I think there's, there were quite a lot of people asking on Telegram about how the IBC would work. And like, I think me and other people who don't understand IBC very well were going, <laughs> well, it's going to be fine because obviously these are, transactions are atomic, but I don't know the exact details. But there you go. If anybody on the stream was wondering, Schulze, I think, has, has hopefully uh, reassured, <laughs> reassured everybody that it's, it's going to be fine. So, Schultze, if if uh, if the block never gets finalized on this end, you can just flush out all of those transactions once we get it going again, right? Yeah. So that's basically the idea. Um, right now, obviously, you can flush out transactions because that requires a, like a commit to flush them. Um, and so, since the chains aren't moving, you can't commit, so you can't flush them back. So right now, like if you look on osmosis, I'm sure it looks like it looks like there's a bunch of packets waiting, because I guess in theory they are, but. There's nothing to be done about that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess that is that is a concern um, of getting the the chain going properly, and that's one of the things that we need to do more testing on before we move ahead with a with the solution um, to to put it out into production, right? Um, so all that stuff has been tested at the moment, I believe. The fray. Um, yeah, well, that's so, on the testing path. It's like get something that works, tested it with a bunch of different validated configurations, then start testing IBC. Once yeah, we're sure so that the, everything works, then push the, it out. The strange love folks are literally testing yeah. it as we speak. Um, I think I did a shout out on Twitter to New Andrew um, or GNU Andrew, depending on how you pronounce new. new. I, pronounce, I pronounce it new personally. Um, but uh, yeah, who's done just a load of incredible work on uh, automating all of this testing so that we essentially don't have to do it by hand. And it's the reason we've been able to um, kind of react so quickly to this has been really, really heavily driven by uh, by the Strange Lab team. And like I say, Andrew in particular. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, there were a couple of other strategies that were being sort of looked into and experimented with, and that uh, was driven very much by Demi, who um, had essentially a couple of other quite good ideas that would hopefully, excuse me, allow us to move forward without um, uh, resorting to a hard fork. But so ultimately, I think we're going to go with the the incrementing the incrementing strategy, as we sort of already talked about, but. Uh, yeah, that's what they're doing at the moment is they're running a series of tests um, for sort of like edge cases. So now where they're up to is that we've been able to make blocks um, mm -hmm. using that new strategy or Andrew has specifically, and we were all very excited to watch him um, uh, make blocks with the the Genesis, which was based off of an export we sort of prepared um, from the, the final block. And... Now, I think Demi and Andrew are going through a variety of scenarios. Uh, like, you know, some validators haven't switched over or some validators are on a previous version of Genesis or, uh, you know, these kind of things. That there will be edge cases where some of the val set doesn't agree or people haven't quite configured it right or 
you know, nothing malicious, but potentially accidental Byzantine behavior or accidental mm-hmm. misconfiguration or whatever. And um, that is uh, something that that we need to test, right? Because it's quite likely to happen. So one of the other interesting things that happened, um, and I know Noel will have seen this, I know Schultze, I think, had a, a, a DM from me in the middle of the night about this, was quite early on in trying to diagnose the root cause, we were trying to work out whether or not... Um, so way back when Monita first came out, we had a security vulnerability that came up very, very short notice. And we ultimately decided to patch it by distributing a binary from the core team to the validator set that patched it rather than because it wasn't consensus breaking in the way that we, um, uh, if we were distributed it, it just ran it. It wouldn't be breaking consensus. So we were able to just get validators to upgrade. Um, but we sort of realized that we didn't have any way of checking that every validator was on the same version. And if we had um, more than 33% of validators not running the same binary, then we were still vulnerable to that security exploit. So one of the first things we had to do um, sort of overnight, really, last night um, was compile a spreadsheet of all of the valid. And again, Dimi was amazing kind of getting off the mark on this and starting to get responses. Um, and I spent a lot of my evening and night nagging people over DMs and trying to get in touch with people and tracking down validators who aren't in our Discord, but I'd seen them on a different Discord somewhere and going and finding them and going, hey, sorry, you're not on the junior Discord, but your node's down. Here's why. Can you fill in the spreadsheet? And what we were trying to establish was whether or not over 33% of voting power was on a binary that was vulnerable to a previously known exploit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we could rule that one out because it was one of the potential um, consensus Type breaking bugs that we might have been, you know, vulnerable to. So, uh, so there's just so people um, understand, like why some people might not have been on that latest binary, is because it wasn't. Most people um, and all across the cosmos, when when they're like migrating a node and then they're building, you know, the the binary stack back up in Cosmos uh, in Cosmovisor, they're probably just building the versions from the source. And so in this case, there was a binary that was released that you couldn't build from source unless you built it a certain way to inc- include that Musil C, the, mu- the music binary. The music. Um, and so what I suspect has happened, um, and this would have happened to me as well if I didn't do it a different way, is that when people have migrated their nodes they've probably taken their data folder with them and then just built the new binary um, from the source code as 2.1 and then they lose the patched binary. Um, so if you're like me and didn't want to build it and just copied your Cosmovisor directory instead, <laughs> you'd still have the patched binary. So it's probably, I, I suspect that that's why a lot of those um, validators weren't on, the, on that patched binary. Um, probably from migrating and also new validators that had joined the set um, after that upgrade and then just built directly the 2.1 from source. So I don't think they can be, you know, fully blamed for it, but, um, you know. There's also so much automation going on and anytime that you have a release that doesn't fit into those automation plans, I think things naturally fall through the cracks, right? So they might have... Ansible or some other type of method that is looking either a looking for new binaries or getting things that are ready 
and I'm just going to go, you know, run the job and go pull down and get check out the the right branch and run it and go right without actually maybe looking at the readme right because everything is kind of being notified in Discord and I'm really surprised that there's Juno validators that aren't in the Discord. Like yeah, that, yeah. like well, some are like super annoying and don't like talking to people, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to talk to people. You at least listen. Like you at least have to get some announcements. Because if you're just watching GitHub, you're really not getting the full story on what's coming or what's going on and everything else, right? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like some people prefer uh, Telegram, I guess, and other other modes. Like I guess there, not everyone uses Discord. Is there a Juno Telegram? Uh, the, I don't think there is a Dev know. Telegram. So Juno because, Telegram. Because is there? Well, there, there's like the Juno Telegram, and then there's the Juno Price Telegram, but I don't think there's like a Juno Dev. Oh, like a, an, an announcements. No, I, I don't think there's, there's like a there's like an upgrade is coming Juno announcements channel on Telegram. No, no, I don't think so. No. Could this could this um, halt have happened um, not maliciously? Could it have happened just? Somebody's doing a contract that goes a specific way, and it just it just happened. Like, does this have to be malicious? Does it have to be an attacker? Or it could just be, hey, there's an ex- there's something that somebody wrote something poorly. So it's possible but unlikely. Um, okay. The reason that it, it the reason that it looks more suspicious. Well, so the the if it was an attack. I, I think there was uh, one of the obfuscation techniques was using essentially the Cosmosm default template, like the literal learner's template mm-hmm. to as the basis for the contract. Because you look at it and you see like a, cha- a chain of executes on it and you're like, oh, some learner dev is just executing it a bunch of times and something crazy right. has happened, right? Um but then you look at it and you go like, oh no, they've they've in- it's a counter basically, just increments by one, right? Right. And it'd been incremented like fifty five times, and you're like, nobody has the patience to submit fifty five transactions to a sure. blockchain just because they're learning. Two, maybe three, I buy. But we've all been learner devs, and like you're just like, cool, it works, right? On to the next thing. You don't mm-hmm. sit there and submit fifty transactions. That's just not a thing a learner dev would ever do. You're, you're too. You're too excited by the experience to, to do yeah, that. Yeah, so like it works. Was, move on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was right. super suspicious. Um, but but the kind of effort to go like, oh no, make it a, a learner template says one of two things: either they themselves are pretty new, or they just want the simplest possible template they can use, or three, it's a deliberate obfuscation technique to make it look like somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to kind of send us down the wrong path for a little while so we're like oh what's going on here um but i think because we were aware of the abci thing we we kind of theorized it very early on like like i mean like i say it was pretty much instant like is it the abci thing and it was something that got vocalized like again pretty much straight away um it just took a long time for somebody with a big enough brain to actually get all the way to actually proving it was that thing. Um, whereas the rest of us were kind of happy to go like, ah, it's probably that let's move on. <laughs> like, sure. just, right. Right. Because what we were able to do or what, um, sp- particularly Andrew was able to do was actually, um, essentially spin up a set of, of fake validators to show that if you had validators on 2.3, um, mm-hmm. i.e. Lupercalia, they were not vulnerable, but, because we had the the wasm the compiled contract the malicious contract 
we could run it and see what happens. So um, we were able to basically see that current mainnet is vulnerable, which we've already seen, but we mm -hmm. could replicate it. And then we could say, oh, well, Lupercalia isn't vulnerable. So at, at that point, <clears throat> unless it's some completely third thing that we don't know about, sure. it's likely something that we know about from the change log. It's likely something that we know about from security disclosures. Um, and we, we're relatively close to the Confio teams and we talk to them about these sorts of things. And particularly the ABCI one was a very, like a known pretty bad thing that we were very, very quick in getting our fix in as a result. But obviously events sort of derailed us actually getting it out, which is why it, the second this happened, it was like, ah, have we just screwed it by not getting this upgrade out as early as we could have yeah. done? And right. that's that's going to be one of the things that comes out in root cause for this, you know, bluntly. Um, so, yeah. And probably but, maybe not even that much of a coincidence that it happened six hours before this upgrade, right? We were talking about before, no. like if we moved it when we started this, we were saying, oh, if we moved it yesterday or something or Monday, but maybe. maybe well, they, they uploaded the contract on Monday, I think, and we're executing it overnight. Uh, just trying to, uh, just trying to, trying to right. hit, hit the same block, yeah, with a couple of different transactions. So, and um, so it would have been that, and that that mix would have been the right proposer. And is it proposer based, or why wouldn't it? Why I don't, I don't it think it right actually matters. It just looked like they they had something in their mind, but actually, it it would have worked uh, if the ABCI query had worked in the right. Yeah, if it. Yeah, if it worked, it worked. I think I don't think the proposal was material, but it, yeah, they they were looking for something and they found it. That was too deep uh, of a question for eleven thirty-two after <laughs> after thirty-six well, it's, hours. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> what what time is it here? Twelve. You, it's twelve thirty. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I, thought I, was, I thought we lost like your connection there for a second. <laughs> you paused. You sort of went. Your whole brain paused on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've been up for uh, I've. I, I apologize. I apologize. That was too I got, much. I got up I at five thirty this morning, UTC plus two, and I'm in UTC plus one now. So, can you do some quick square roots for us, maybe? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> have I been up for twenty hours? I guess I've been up for twenty hours. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. So um, the fray. Uh, people keep speculating that you know this is the whale revenge. So um, I think that's pretty unlikely. Are they? <laughs> hey. I don't think the whale's smart enough, are they? Shots fired. Uh, the negotiating strategy so far does not does not seem that of a master tactician. So I would say, from like what we know, that's highly unlikely that it's the whale. Doesn't really benefit anyone, right? Well, no. It's what? Yeah. What? what why? Why? Key, key bono, right? Who benefits? The yeah. Whale doesn't benefit because if if it's found out to be them. Their funds burn out of spite, right? Um, yeah. If they successfully take down the chain for good, they also lose their funds. Um, it kind of seems like a lose-lose. Uh, there's no leverage to be gained from it, right? Uh, a better move would be to go, well, we know you've got... Actually, no, even then, even if they knew that we knew about a security fault that they knew about and we were days away from upgrading, there's still no real leverage. Um, and, and, and they would know that we could recover it anyway. So what would be well, the point? I suppose some people will look at Evmos and go, you know, it, it, I think Evmos is an example of like, you know, without throwing any shade, it just shows how hard it is to recover a chain when it gets into an indeterminate state. And, sure, you know, the fact it's taken 35 people <laughs> to get us to a solution. And, you know, what Strangelove have brought to the table 
to help us get to the testing point of knowing we can get this back online is cutting edge. It is a cutting edge piece of test automation stuff. It is very cool. It is very, very clever. Um, so, you know, I think if you didn't know that the devs on Juno were pretty stubborn and also had enough friends and favors to call in to bring the cavalry, you might think, oh, we can probably take them down for a couple of weeks. Um, but again, who who benefits from the network being down for a couple of weeks? Yeah, that's uh, Grant. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, one. Com- no one. A competitor or a bored kid, really, are the two people I can think of. Right. Um, you know, and and is a competitor of Juno really that worried about us that they're going to attack us? I mean, maybe. But again, who? I don't think it would. Like, what's, yeah, what's, yeah. The, I mean, the more the more activity in the ecosystem, the more attention the ecosystem gets, then you know, the better it's going to be for all of us. So why, why would you say, like, why would anyone want to take down another one of the IBC connected networks? It doesn't really make yeah. any sense. I mean, my my guess would be like if I had to just completely guess, I would say. You know, if you were a dev on Terra and you had seen that patch, you could easily make the link to the ABCR, uh, the ABCI queries, um, and then you could go. Okay, if you knew what you were doing, you could then craft an exploit, right? So yeah. a bored, a bored young Terra dev, uh, not not as in from the Terra organization, but somebody who knows Cosmosm because they were doing on Terra and had seen their security um, notification. Maybe that's somebody who's they're, they're just like you know they're they're doing they're, they're teaching themselves smart contracts, and they're just like a bit bored and they're like oh this would be funny I wonder if I can take down Juno with this thing I've just learned. <laughs> right, right. Well, would they? I mean, they even been there. there. We've all been bored teenagers, man. We've all smashed windows <laughs> on stupid shit. Like this is kind of just a multi-million-dollar example of the same thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know, just been a bit surprised then by appearing on the on the screen jack has joined us <laughs> it uh a wild jack has appeared you know I, I think it just sort of underscores the importance of procedure and sort of more regular uh, check-ins about this stuff you know i, I think that the engineers who get into blockchain engineering are people who are kind of security focused and I think especially when we're spinning up chains and, and doing a lot of things it is the first and only thing we think about but i think that um a lot of this stuff around sort of like regular network maintenance is not sexy. It's not quite as fun as launching new products. And it's really easy to forget that we just need to, you know, do the basic blocking and tackling. And, uh, yeah, you know, what I have seen is a lot of great basic blocking and tackling in tackling this incident, which is fantastic. And the, the number of folks that kind of came together to do that just, huge a bunch of people in this call which by the way thank you guys jack you talk are you talking about specifically around validators not running latest binaries and just kind of getting lax around those types of things is that what you're referencing uh well i mean that's definitely part of it but i think from the core team perspective too you know what about a security council that meets once a week and just does a dependency audit sure like you know and more regular security upgrades I mean, this, I think we've effectively found that this was a Stargate query issue where 
the attacker was querying the node ID out of the node and then hashing that, and that was the source of the non-determinism? Yeah, that was it, I think. It was it was literally the ABCI query that... Yeah. yeah. It was the ABCI query exploit that meant that Terra um, panic upgraded, you know, whatever, whatever it was for, four and a half weeks ago, and then we got a security notification and we put our... We, you know, we, we patched Juno... 29 or 30 days ago something like right. that on github 31 days ago so you know for, for jack's point as well about being sloppy I mean, we, we already brought this out earlier like this is an easy broadside for me to fire because it mainly falls i think on my desk as somebody who works very closely with organizing test nets and validators and does a lot of the shall we say janitorial juno stuff like just like bumping dependencies moving stuff janitorial forward. yeah it's like, like you know it's, it's really boring it's a stuff. great like, way to I, say it yeah well i mean the thing is you got like we've got like the name service we've got some other secret projects in the in the in the works you know and i obviously want to mm-hmm. go work on smart contracts and work on the fun sexy stuff but if we don't got a chain we haven't got anything to deploy on right so you end up doing the janitorial stuff but then yeah, I think we've gotten lax with like focusing on, like Jack says, focusing on the new shiny stuff that we're working on and maybe like needing to go like, okay, now th- this is janitorial, but just because it's boring and it takes five minutes to bump dependencies and then it takes like a week to get it tested, you know. That's blocks, isn't it? Yeah. What's that? Andrew, that's blocks, isn't it? <laughs> Jacks, so Jacks, Jacks, uh, paying attention to the uh, to one of the many test scenarios I think that's being run in the background. Uh, yeah, so the height plus plus upgrade is now working. Is this um, the one with one of the validators still on the previous Genesis? No, but we don't anticipate that one to be uh, an issue. This is uh, starting from ninety nine with an export from ninety, the normalized export from ninety seven. Um. We have blocks. This uh, this 512 gig RAM instance with 64 cores is getting a huge workout today. I don't that think it expected awesome. to be to be running all day. <laughs> you got you yeah. guys got to start li- you got to start licensing that out. There's probably 20 other chains that would be uh, potential customers for that for that service. Well, you know, I mean, this is uh, the we have an ICF contract that's covering uh, basically all of our developer time on sure. the. IBC testing framework. Um, I think that the, the base of what we've built, we've been able to show off today, which has been really exciting. But this builds on a ton of work that we as a team have done for years, like the last year, year and a half. It started with the framework that we built to test IBC and bring that to market that is in the Go relayer. And that spins up two individual node chains and connects them with a relayer and runs sort of a standard set of acceptance tests. We've been using that to drive relayer development. We used it to drive IBC development. Um, I took the lessons learned there and built out uh, a couple of other tools, but the biggest one was the test framework for Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, I, I sort of inherited this legacy piece of software from the Polychain team. It was really cool, but it was written by a C++ engineer who didn't really know how to write Go, and it was like all standard lib, very hard to get through. So I thought, you know, the best thing that I can do is just verify the functioning of this and ensure that it does exactly what it says. So we built this framework where it spun up a whole chain. 
upgraded one of the validators to a three century, three Horcrux node instance and ensured there was no slashing, that we were missing blocks, stuff like that. Um, and that process of spinning, I, that took me about six to eight months of development time to do through last year. I tried a couple of different Docker testing frameworks. I tried a couple of different ways of doing it. First, I did it with fixtures. Then we sort of did it all with the containers themselves. And then, you know, sw the, the big thing that we did was we switched to job containers. Mm -hmm. So we're not using any of the underlying Go APIs, really, for any of this stuff. It just treats the containers as a black box. And it's like, whatever you expose as far as, you know, whether it's RPC endpoints or command line tools, um, whatever you expose, that's what we're going to use against. And, and it is like, I mean, if you're integration testing a system, that's how you attack it as a client. So, like, yeah. might as well do it that way. Um, and, you know, I, I've had a number of discussions with folks in IBC about doing this. The Agoric team wants to contribute to this. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until Andrew just kind of, <laughs> Andrew finished up the, the Horcrux refactor after working on the test suite. He was like, this test suite is great. I was like, if you like that test suite, we've got this ridiculous Boy, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's the matrix of all the IBC enabled chains and all of the relayer implementations. And we need to make sure that they all work together so that we don't have splits in this network. And it's like, Oh, well, yeah, that's a huge job. So anyway, um, yeah, looking forward to doing a lot more with this. And we have another engineer starting here in a couple of weeks who I'm looking forward to also putting on this and hoping to get some more contributions from elsewhere in the ecosystem. Because I think that as far as a developer tool, like if, if we want people to be able to quickly and easily launch chains and test these complex cross-chain contract call integrations, like you need something like this. Right. And I think it's an invaluable developer tool, and I'm really glad we've gotten to sort of flex it today. <laughs> um, so is that uh, machine that you're using, Jack, is that uh, like a local machine or is that cloud-based? Google, Google Compute. We have some fairly beefy limits. That's an understatement, yeah. I think, right? Like how, how much, out of interest, dare I ask, like, how much does that cost in compute per second or something like that? It's, I think, 10000 a month. Five yeah. to ten thousand a month, yeah. Yeah, nice. Okay, I thought my R fives were pretty expensive, but that's a different level. Yeah, I think Strange Love is doing on the order of fifty to seventy thousand a month in cloud spend at this point. Sergey, come to your house for that. Does he does he get hand delivered invoices from? No, we 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 barely get anyone to respond. And Kelsey High <laughs> Kelsey Hightower, the lead developer evangelist, just talks shit on all of our products. So you know, <laughs> Google doesn't get Google. Google doesn't give a fuck about our business. <laughs> didn't, didn't, <laughs> he, what, didn't, he, didn't he very publicly, like on Twitter the other day, it's like, wait, say like, wait, hang on. Here is like one use case for crypto that I agree with. And everyone's like, fucking Kelsey Hightower's gone DGen. It's Holy all shit. over it. It's like, um, <sighs> okay. not yet. <laughs> I, I still think he's trolling us because he's trolled us a few times before. Like, I am a huge Kelsey fan. When I started in tech, I like saw Kelsey do a live demo and I was like, Whatever he's teaching, I want to learn, and I want to be a developer evangelist. So, like, Kelsey has been influential in my career personally. So, like, seeing him so anti-blockchain just, like, hurts a little bit. I, w I wish he was more pro-block. I, uh, I I tried to explain where we were up to to um, the smartest engineer I've ever worked with, his previous CTO of mine. And he 
he went through like the the dot com boom the, the last time that sort of thing and after fight after taking him through all the steps that led us up to where we were i guess about like eight o'clock this morning his conclusion was just one word and it was oof <laughs> <laughs> like he's he was just because like, he's yeah he's not a blockchain guy so he was like you know is it proof of proof of work proof of stake all right okay so you've got a validator set we got through all those questions and he got to the end of it and he was just like oof all right how many how many forks you got and i was like we've got 125 forks my guy and he was just like oof. <laughs> i was like he was like good luck with that anyway <laughs> let's get a drink next right. time you're up and i was like thanks so, so it's like this of wisdom but uh but oof would you do. rather would you rather recover this or would you rather recover a down draft cluster like well, I used to work with him on a large, uh, a large project that had a massive um, Apache Kafka and Cassandra cluster, and the Cassandra, uh, our Cassandra driver library went out of uh, maintenance, and I had to rewrite the database driver, um, which was in Lisp because obviously I'm a Lisp weenie. So um, that was. Why did you do that to yourself? I you, really you, you could have, you could have made better decisions. No, no. Why I, did you I, do that to your fellow engineers down the line? Uh, because we were we were we were a closure shop. Like we all wrote Lisp. We all like it. We all think it's the best language. Self evidently, it well. Okay, JVM closure. No, a closure RS, which I still believe one day might actually have a working version. Then you're going to see smart contracts in Lisp for me. <laughs> That's a promise. Does it compile to Waza? Uh, well, it's, it compiles. It's, it's valid Rust, isn't it? So it's like a Rust. It, so yeah, then you could you could jump it to Waza, I guess. Cool, great. I look, forward to never, I, I look forward to never reading any of that code. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know what? At least the abstract syntax tree will be exactly the same as the as the code itself, and therefore it will be you know everything in perfect balance, as is the Lisp way. I mean, I'm over here throwing shade, but I actually enjoy using Clojure, and I'm over here like looking at, you know, reading up on Elixir and other functional programming languages. So I can only throw so much shade. Yeah, exactly. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. Like if it takes hold of you, it's a certain way of doing things. I, I, I just like I think like anything else, like um, programming languages, like musical instruments, whatever. Like some speak to you, some don't. For me, like. Like I can, I can take or leave Python. I, I've written a lot of JavaScript, TypeScript for money, but I'm kind of broadly indifferent to it. Lisp is the only language that I actually love. Like, as in, it makes me happy to work in Lisp. I don't think there's another language I feel that way. I quite like Rust. Rust is great. I, I think Haskell is very interesting, although I have to relearn it every time I use it, um, unfortunately, because it's just really complex. But I don't know. Maybe not everybody gets emotional about programming languages. Maybe that's just me. I, I find oh, no, it very I, hard I, going. I definitely it. do. I fell in love with Go early, and I just like writing Go. I would prefer not to have to ever write anything else, but I have to screw around with Rust. I have to screw around with JavaScript. I have to screw around with this Solidity nonsense. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Is there anything else in the Juno Hall we want to cover? I think we've probably pretty much been over what we know so far, right, guys? Uh, I think well, it'd be I, worth knowing, like, when do we think that the fix will start going out? Like, can we expect Juno to be running in a week? Can we expect I, it in 40 hours? Yeah, 
I, I mean, I think 48 hours is a little bit more realistic. Um, you know, my thought is that we, you know, once we verify that a particular path forward is valid, we should give validators 24 hours and restart after that. I think that this path of export at 97, um, increment the height to 98, reset the contract state, like that works. Like, I think we should go for that. I think, I mean, starting the network back up in 24 hours as of right now would be, I mean, I just put out a call in court too to do that. So, so I guess it depends on what kind of participation we get from all the validators in that time frame, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, I think everyone's pretty aware that, that, that this is going on. We were able to get, like, I don't know if you guys saw this. I'm sure some of you were a part of this, but at the beginning of the incident, Demi was running around chasing every, well, like ever, all of us were chasing validators and trying to put together right. like a list of sort of what, what software versions are on, which by the way, fascinating the way those numbers turned out it was right, at, right at the one third, like just there. We had the same thing um, Atmos, but like, it was like 66 point something percent or whatever it was. Like, it was like, it's always like one away, right? Same situation here. Just insane. Anyway, um, so we were able to get in touch with everyone. I think 98% of the validators said probably within an hour and a half, two hours of really starting that reach out. So probably four hours after the downtime started. Um, that was incredibly impressive in my mind. I don't think we'll have a problem getting the Val set back up. You know, all of the top validators are engaged. They've had open lines of communication with us. I think 24 hours, you know, it, we could do a quicker restart if we really want to push things, but I think 24 hours. So 5 p.m. PST tomorrow. Andrew, how do you feel about that? Are you talking about this live right now then? <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I, I am literally talking about this live right now. Um, I think we can all just see this in the corner of the screen, the same notification right. go like, okay, this is happening. So, you see, yeah. <laughs> so to viewers of the yeah, channel, so you are you are literally seeing uh, you're literally seeing some decision making happening on the stream for uh, for our, for what we're going to be working on tomorrow. By the look of it, Gary John asks a great question: Will Looper Kelly be done at the same time while it's down, or will we wait until it's back up nicely and then try again? Um, we're going to do this while it's down. And in fact, we're probably going to modify the governance proposal in state so that it doesn't create an upgrade because we've already done the upgrade at this point. Mm -hmm. um, Lupercalia has the nice side effect of uh, fixing the Stargate queries issue. Um, so we verified that fix. We verified that the new version fixes the issue uh, with the contract. So the best thing that we can do is just move forward with the deployment. And so have we have we rolled anything else the... in? Have we rolled anything else into that now, Jack? The um, in addition to what was already proposed? No, in fact, we haven't. <laughs> the uh, the proposed binary fixes this issue, and it happened hours before the upgrade was supposed to happen. Kind right. of hilarious. So the I, audit trail. I think I think Andrew actually was running the new tag binary, which has the cosmosm. Uh, security fix from today rolled into it, right? Uh, yes, it does. That's correct. So we're, we're that. getting that one as we're getting that one as a twofer for free. 
So in then in that case, so it's 2.3 and it's re-tagged as 3 and it includes a new security patch as well as removes some chaff about that, uh, that contract um, that messed everything up. So, oh, what's happened? Nothing. Everyone's on mute. They're talking while they're on mute. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Sorry. I, I, I just instinctively do it. Just like hit the, the thing. Shilsey's the only one who needs to put his thing on mute so we don't hear his clicking. You know what? I don't have any clickers with me this time. So I've been like the entire time over here like... I just hear birds. Yeah, yeah but he looks, but, uh, he looks so yeah. nervous. Birds. Yep. <laughs> what, what time it is? What time is it over on the other side of the pond right now? It's nearly one a.m. It's pretty late. Um, so Europeans will be nearly two a.m. or three a.m. depending on which part of Europe. So it's just yeah, this I, afternoon restart is a tough time because Asia is still waking up. Right? Yeah, I would probably say. Um, if you could pull it back a couple of hours, it would make the Europeans happy, but, you know, such is life. I mean, 4 a.m. Sydney is usually the best time. <laughs> it works for everybody else. It works for everybody. It's kind of what Brutal. we're trying for. That time slot works exactly for it's everybody perfect. except... Hey. Um, just, just real quick, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm watching the comments here. One I wanted to address for folks. Ramara asks, any issues with Ledger for restarting at a different time? Short answer, no. Long answer, absolutely not. Um, nothing to worry about with your ledger. Funds are set, though. Yeah, like that's there's no code change or anything that would affect ledger operation. But I think maybe, do you think maybe that comment was actually referring to the state as the ledger? Oh, distributed ledger. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, not uh, well, not so much the, the ledger. Yeah. That's actually a great question, and in fact, one that we did not have a concrete answer to until like just a second ago uh, when we tested it. Um, there, you know, these networks are designed to be down. There have been downed Tendermint networks a number of times. I think that one thing that we're doing differently in this Juno upgrade is we're incrementing the block height and keeping the chain ID. This particular style of upgrade has never been attempted at scale before. Um, so there were a number of things that we were worried about. Um, but I think that, you know, we've just kind of verified that we're good to go there. Um, so that's exciting. Jack, one thing we were talking about before you rejoined was like how this upgrade, or at least the 210 with the with the binary patch was slightly different type of approach and upgrade versus regular ones where people would just, you know, pull the latest GitHub and and compile, right? It, it had the library structure and those types of things. And since it was slightly different approach and you have a very wild, you have, a, you know, 125 validator teams at different time zones and different communication and you have some people are not in, even in the Discord and things like that, these networks are hard, right? And so when you have things that are slightly outside of normal, which we saw at Evmos and we've seen at other types of things or test nets, shit happens, Right. And we saw that you even saw that you said you said there, you're surprised at the Excel results. I was completely surprised at the Excel results on on even, you know, top 10 validators that were running the wrong binary. And a lot of them. Right. Like a, a, a decent percentage. Uh, I mean, that's actually, I think, honestly, one of the strengths of these decentralized networks is like yeah. they're heterogeneous. They're, they're not homogeneous. You know, not every node is the same. That makes them hard to attack. Like 
That's a feature, sure. not a bug in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Is version, um, versioning difference a feature? That wasn't a version difference. That was a build tag feature. Okay. That was a, a sure. build tag difference. Right. So like there was, there was a lot of, there's a lot of variety on how people provision their servers. Honestly, yeah. for network security, that's great. If you've got a hundred different sort of ways people are deploying, makes it way harder to break in and steal keys. Um, and, you know, the fact, I, I think that what we should take away from this as a core team is that if we have some specific build things, we need to like bold those, make sure people know what it is. Um, because, you know, I, I've been building tags that go ledger for years and mm -hmm. I think a lot of other validators have too. And sure. luckily Andrew read the things the right way and we were, we were running the right version, but we easily couldn't have been. Yeah. So, um, the Frey and I were actually, we've been talking recently about sort of updating the, the Juno docs to sort of better represent the upgrade path, uh, for Juno, um, given, you know, uh, that not everything's built from source as well and with those default tags. So we just hadn't got there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think that like anytime there's an issue with one of these networks like this, somebody's been like trying to make it happen before and this time different, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about in the past in various channels, like come back to buy this here. You know, yeah, it happens. Um, you learn, you learn from it. You put in process, and you try to do better the next time. And what I have learned from this experience is like exactly what I learned during the Prop 16 experience. The people working on this network are awesome. Mm -hmm. We all like working together a lot, and we're very effective at you know async collaboration. And there's enough of us where we have full 24/7 coverage on different pieces, and you know the people who are up at any given time can are very effective. Right. That's more than we had for Cosmos for years. <laughs> and, and I think uh, it's worth noting too that we've got like a lot of incredible developers that are highly involved with Juno as well. So um, I think. Yeah, just actually looking at and, you know, people passing the baton as well as the uh, time zones go through uh, is incredible to see as well. So, um, you know, handing over the lead position for coordination um, to another lead dev until, you know, the circles back around as we go through the time zones and people obviously need to sleep. You can't just stay awake for 24-7 unless you're the prey. Oh, I think, I think Mac, I was going to say, I think Max did like, I don't know. Yeah, um, Max, Max, Max is, is mode. still in this Zoom call with me and Andrew and Joe Abbey right now. He's been there for nine hours. Yeah, right. But bear, bear in mind also, like Max was the first person who identified the smart contract call. Like when my when my pager went off and I was like three hours from my desk. Oh, like it I was had, Max. Yeah, I had a DM from Max cool. with. Dude, I think I've seen a smart contract that looks suspect. Here's the Mintscan TX. And I looked at it, I looked at it, and my first reaction was, I bet this is that ABCI Stargate thing. And then and it's it like, was, it's, lo and behold. But it's 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 always Max. Max is always first on any of stuff. Now? Like he always beats all of the rest of the devs to so, like pointing to the the thing in the direction of where the actual problem is. So Max it's, is just, like, it's just like everybody in the team, I think, and Juno, like, 
has a, a kind of perspective they bring to the table, you know? Max is incredible. Yep. The, the amount of support he gives to the community is just un, unparalleled. Well, I mean, it's, it's unmatched, like, with any of the other, um, you know, core contributors or community members or anyone in Juno. He's definitely puts in the most, um, you know, yeah. community support for sure. And, yeah, the fact that he comes up with these... <laughs> finds in in mint scan and stuff is is pretty amazing like i don't is is max max i know you can hear us are you are you a developer i don't know if he's a developer or not but he certainly finds a lot of stuff it takes a while for comments to come through <laughs> uh i yeah I, I don't know that that's a great question um i believe max is one person funny enough um, but I think that that kind of speaks to Juno being this really, truly community led project. Like I saw that, like I always kind of knew that Max, Max, in, Max, you're in both of the same streams I'm in right now. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I saw that really, truly the scale of it for the first time with prop 16, but I always kind of knew that. And it's something that Juno does better than any other Cosmos chain. And I think it, it has been a differentiator. It's been something that's enabled us to sort of like push through this issue because like, honestly, this is blockchain dev worst nightmare. This <laughs> is about as bad as it gets. Um, and, you know, it, it's easy to get into a place where it's really hard to recover that chain. Um, and it's been cool to see this community kind of push through that, find the answers and get this thing moving again. And like, we're gonna we're gonna get it yeah oh i mean like when the when the chain first halted like i was i was with my old man and he was like what 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 was that message you just picked up and i was like well pretty much the worst thing that could happen has happened and he he, he worked for oracle for like 25 years and i was like what would be i was like a data center is burned down that's i think that's like the equivalent like a data center is fully gone and he was like, oh, that's, that's pretty bad. You don't seem too too worried. I was like, well, I'm pretty worried, but I also like I'm 100% certain that we have the people in the building to to have the chain back up. So The building that burnt down? Well, okay. He's different <laughs> analogies. He, the, building, the building was his world. The, the, the chain is our world, right? So his building's burnt down. Maybe his devs were in the building. I, I don't know. You know, you have to go ask Oracle Corp. <laughs> That would be a, a human resources nightmare, I imagine. But but our building is decentralized, and therefore you can't burn it down. And thus is the power of Juno. Thus, you can only confuse the shit out of it. Yeah, if you like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the real Juno. I mean, I need to stop making this. I make the same joke every time we have a crisis. We've had a few of these now. I'm like, oh, maybe the real Juno was the friends we made along the way, but also kind of. I think that the real cosmos is the friends we made along. <laughs> he like yeah. mutes himself Zaki, halfway through talking. <laughs> Zaki, Zaki used to say that all the time. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, in good, in good company then. <laughs> so, uh, guys, do we have anything else we want to talk about today? We're at about we're coming up on seventy minutes, uh, which is usually where we uh, start to pull the pin. Um, yeah, let's and, let's, let's pull the pin. Yeah, I think that's on.